Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back once again to Joypad Podcast. I will be your host this fine evening, afternoon, or morning, wherever you may be, wherever you reside. We're going to have a fun topic that I'm going to get to later on. But with me, as always, are my three fantabulous co-hosts, Mr. Michael Fleming, Mr. Michael Pinto, and Miss Megan. So I'm going to pass it around. Uh, I'm going to start off with Mr. Michael Pinto today. Good sir, what beverage do you have with yourself this evening? What games have you been playing? Have you destroyed the time vampires that have trapped us in the worst timeline? <laughs> so I will take this questions in order. I am currently drinking a Golden Road Brewing Company melon cart, which is a watermelon wheat ale that I find to be very delicious, as well as, of course, the finest tap water that Northeast Pennsylvania has to offer. I have been playing not very much because all my life consists of recently is closing shifts at the restaurant where I work, so all I've been doing is working and sleeping. Uh, I played a little bit of Carry On, which Megan gifted to me for my birthday. Um, it's a very Happy interesting birthday, game. by the way. Thank you. Where you play as a monster that is trying to break out of the lab in which it's been created, and you eat all the people that created you. So, it's interesting. Megan asked me how it was, and my response was, there's a lot of tentacles and teeth. So, <laughs> I mean... It, okay. Did you see... Sounds appropriate. They apparently had to change the cover art for the Nintendo Switch store because it uh, resembled a part of the female anatomy. Yeah, what? You know what? I could see that. <laughs> of course. You guys know the movie Teeth. Right? Yeah. I was going to say, that movie was already a thing. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Uh, and beyond that, I also have been playing a little bit of The Sims 3 because we talked about The Sims and it made me want to play Aww. it. Oh, uh, awesome. I have how big is your dream house? It's very small because I'm not cheating. I was about so, to say, how many, uh, my, my question was going to be, how many rosebuds have you entered? <laughs> None. Wow. Did you at least build someone else a dream house? No. Nope. <laughs> no. I'm disappointed. Okay. But also proud. Yeah, that's really about it. I've been thinking about playing the Resident Evil 2 remake again, because I really enjoyed that. When I played it initially, I played through it four times, so I could experience like all the variations of the story. So I was kind of burned out on it for a little bit, but I think I might jump back into it. But yeah, that's about all I've been up to. I'm very sleepy because i closed last night i'm closing tomorrow i'm opening on saturday it's i'm a i'm a very working person right now after having been unemployed for like a year and i'm not used to it you'll get you'll there, get my that friend. balance that's yeah. really important uh megan what Yo. have you been playing what are you drinking uh have you solved the thing with the time vampires that tom was talking about that i didn't mention because i have not <laughs> solved it yeah that's uh that's gonna take a back burner for now uh but for my beverage this evening it's not green tea but it is oolong from wegmans uh my beverage of choice and what am i playing so i'm really into fall guys gentlemen i i don't know if pinto or uh tom if i know you both downloaded it i don't know if you you embarked on that journey yet i've i've played it um um the night that we downloaded it because it's 
at the time of this recording, it's free on the PlayStation Network. Mm-hmm. So uh, my wife and I downloaded it. Um, I decided to take a break from the absolute dourness that is <laughs> The Last of Us 2 um, to play some of the bright, cheery, crazy uh, experience that is Fall Guys. So yes, I, I've been playing that. It is so much fun. It's so goofy. It's not serious. I love it. Uh, it makes my heart happy. So I've been playing a lot of that. And then in between, I decided to jump back into the Outer Worlds, which I'm not disappointed with. I know, Tom, you loved it. I really enjoy so it. Good. <laughs> it's a great game, and I think I'll get a lot of replay value out of it. I know we were talking about it earlier off recording, just through character builds and different different sides you can take on missions. I, I think there's a lot you can do with the game, which is, is fun. But yeah. So what kind of character build are you pursuing currently? Currently, I, I always go for, I want to be able to hack and lockpick. Um, yeah, oh, so, yeah. <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah, so like, you know, high level of intelligence. Um, my combat skills are actually pretty low. I, I usually get through a lot of altercations through persuading or lying. Um, so that that's been fun. So the only real fights I get into are when I'm traveling throughout the actual worlds that you visit. But the main missions, not not a whole lot of fighting. I try to avoid at all costs. Um, I have uh, Pavarotti with me, which I think is great for engineering. And then I can't remember her name, but she's the doctor that you pick up on. Uh, what oh is God, I forget her name station? too. The Groundbreaker. Groundbreaker, yeah. So I, I have those two, which I think is a great pair for what I'm doing in my playthrough. So we'll see how it gets me through. I, I heard that you can get through the game pretty easily just being dumb as a rock. Um, so I'd like to try that at some point because you unlock a lot of interesting dialogue features that you don't see when you have a higher intelligence score. So, yeah. yeah it sounds interesting. I know you've brought that up before and I've you know, I've never seen that because I've always played through with a lot of those, um, you know, high perception, yeah. high intelligence kind of characters. And it'd be really interesting to, to see those. So I, it, you're right. There's a ton of replayability from those angles. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're playing the game kind of similar to how I played the game. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll have a similar experience. Yeah, um, I'm I'm interested to see how it unfolds though as I get deeper into it. I think I'm probably what like a third of the way through it. Maybe I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. But uh, anyway, I am going to pass it to Mr. Fleming. Uh, what beverage are you partaking in? What are you playing? And vampires? What about them? So I know nothing about vampires. I'll just get to that right away. <laughs> um, but I am drinking a stupidly large McDonald's root beer Ooh. that my wife brought me. So it's delicious, but it's so sugary. So by the end of this, I'm either going to be crashing or I'm going to be way too hyper. We'll see what happens. Uh, what am I playing? So I beat XCOM 2. Nice. Uh, wonderful uh, ending. Lost another one of my colonels. May he rest in peace. And... As long as he wasn't Colonel Sanders. No, it was not. Uh, I already forget who it was. You mean Captain? Actually, I think it was, I think it was my one of my girls, specialist. She died to something or other. I think an Andromeda, like an Avatar thing right at the end. Something like that. But may she rest in peace. Everybody else survived. Um, and I've also been playing, as, as per normal, War Selection. 
where I now have <laughs> enough points to choose a country. And I have not. Oh made a my God! So, wow, you've been playing a lot, huh? Well, yes and no. I when I play, I typically get like up to two hundred points again. Yeah, yeah two hundred. I've gotten as high as like three hundred and fifty in one game. That went on for a long time, and and I did eighty percent of the work, I'd say. So yeah, I've been playing quite a bit. Um, the game really hasn't changed much. I think since like Pinto, you said you've been out for a few weeks, not playing much. So hasn't changed much uh the style of play is still pretty similar but as i expected the middle ages have become even more popular you're seeing a lot more timing pushes in the middle age you're seeing a lot more play around the middle age if the game's big enough you see like one or two people rush for industrial but otherwise it's been it's been mostly middle age um play which is really cool because i think the middle age is the most fleshed out um spot i'm seeing things like I'll be massing archers like I often do, but then the guy's trying to get an onager or two and kind of zone out my units, force them to keep moving and not firing. Um, really, really cool game. Still really enjoying it. Um, so I play that. I've also been playing Hearts of Iron 4, uh, but specifically the Kaiserreich mod, which is... Um, and Tom, I know you bought the... The Kaiser. It, you don't need any extra DLCs, which is nice, because Paradox, we have, I've mentioned it before, Paradox charges like out the butt for the amount of DLCs. There's a lot yeah. there's a lot of DLC yeah, for Yeah, there's that a game, lot yeah. of DLCs and they all cost like six to ten dollars, depending on how new they are. So this one, uh this mod does not require any of it. It's a alternate history timeline where Germany wins World War One and Britain and France uh fall to communism, uh stuff like that. It's really cool. There's an American civil war that occurs, um, where the socialists attempt to take over. So it's it's a really interesting uh dynamic and kind of made the game a little bit more enjoyable considering it has some pretty serious flaws they've never fixed but i haven't felt them in this mod so something new and exciting to try out that's pretty much what i've been doing and again i don't know anything about vampires so i can't even answer your question um but anyway tom uh what is our topic for tonight well, I, I I gotta tell you guys what I've been playing oh, I first. I, yes. I have uh, it's all good. Um, I'm not drinking anything special. I've been sick, so I haven't been playing War Selection very much. But I'm just drinking some water. Um, I have been playing um, mostly The Last of Us Two. Um, we're at the point now. Um, we're on Seattle Day Two, um, mm. so we've just gotten past Ellie being in the theater. I had the first run-ins with the Stalkers, which I forgot about and oh, hate yeah. uh, a ton. Um, so I've I've really been enjoying the game a lot. Um, I really like a lot of the stealth gameplay. The story's been good to me so far. Um, I think there's some sort of turn that happens uh, a little bit down the road, and I still haven't gotten there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I've, I've happen. <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard a little bit, and I, I have my know. guesses. Um, but I ha- I've been spoiler free since '93, so <laughs> nice. Um, um we're gonna get there but we've also been playing uh fall guys uh which has been fun except for the fact that uh there's a couple stages that i always end up being not so good at Mm. and then i get knocked out like uh like the good old wipeout stages where they fall in the pool or uh the one where like the slime is rising up as you're trying to go up the mountain of obstacle courses uh i haven't beaten that one just yet i always either get caught or uh swept up um but I uh, I like it. It's cute. Um, 
I think it gets a little bit repetitive after a little it bit. Can. That's my only problem yeah. with it. Um, so it's nice to like take a break. Like I think we played it for almost three hours straight the first time we played mm-hmm. it, and I was like, okay. And somehow <laughs> I still haven't gotten Hexagon or like all these different ones. Hexagon and... is a lot of fun. That's I think one of my favorite I, games. I want to play it. <laughs> the um, the dive function comes in really handy there. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because you're leaping across all the different yeah. like disappearing platforms. Um, it's really interesting to see that game taking hold in a lot of places. I think a lot of it's just because it's so child-friendly. Yeah. Um, but it's also funny how there's people who wait at the finish line for you and hug you to try and make you not cross the finish line. I hate it, but it's so much fun. <laughs> it's, fu- it's funny. I- I'm um, interested to see where it goes the longer it's out. Um, definitely. I mean, I'm really interested to see what next sort of stages they work on, mm-hmm. too. Um, the other... Uh, game I've been playing is uh, Final Fantasy Brave Exvius on my mobile, which just came out with uh, new NeoVision units today. So I went ham and got my NeoVision uh, cloud from Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, and uh, got my Tifas upgraded to that level too. So that was my kind of big exciting moment for the day with that on top of uh, everything else because... I don't know. I get sucked into that game. That's like the only mobile game I ever get sucked into. But hey... It's held me around long enough. Um, so, and then I'm also looking forward to uh, Madden 21, which drops next week. Nice. So, are your players going to um, have an option to uh, not play? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I guess. I guess you could just release them all, <laughs> or just like, call off the season. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I decided to call. Which, if it were, <laughs> if it were reality, I probably would. I don't COVID know. COVID edition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's a DLC um, coming this fall. No, I'm, I, that's exciting, too. I, I had an opportunity to get, like, a NBA 20 or whatever it was for Switch. It was, like, five bucks. I was like, I really want to get it because I really like to play a sport game. But I was like, eh, I'm not the biggest basketball but fan, so. They released NBA 2K20, I think, for free on PS4 recently. Oh, yeah. Um, and I downloaded it, um, and I would like to play it, but my team is the Chicago Bulls, and they haven't been good since Michael Jordan retired. Yeah. And I also tried playing NBA 2K18 or 19, and I'm terrible at it. I'm so, so yeah. bad at it. Like, I never thought playing basketball was so hard until you've had to use your thumbs to dribble. As, a, I'm just, uh, oh, yeah. as a seventh grade, uh, what was I even, what did I even play? I think I played, like, forward but i forget what but whatever i played i wasn't good basketball's a hard well you didn't know what your position was so that might have been you know (laughs) the problem (laughs) i didn't remember what my position was but uh yeah never was good at basketball can't imagine i would be good in a game either and baseball too for that matter never played don't really like the baseball games either but madden that's matt I i love madden i'm not very good at either of those other sports though um, but yeah, so there's there's an interesting feature for that coming up where you can, uh, they had a mode last year where you could take a player from college uh, into the league, and now they have it so that you can start off in high school, go through two seasons of college, and then have storylines that continue into uh, the professional career all the way throughout, which should be that's fun. That's cool. Because uh, that's what was lacking last time. But other than that, it'll be the same game all <laughs> over again. Um, so anyway... Uh, that's just my roundabout explanations of those games. But anyway, I do have a topic, uh, a real topic, that's not about sports games or mobile games or anything else like that, but actually about another sort of kind of metagame sort of game, which is board games. 
because if there's one thing I love, uh, it is a good board game. And if there's one thing that I actually enjoy quite a bit, uh, it is a video game adaptation of a board game. So I think, uh, and I, and I want to put it out there and hear what your guys' favorites are in terms of, you know, adaptations, um, and why you might like them. But, uh, one of the things I really enjoy, uh, is seeing some games come to life. So like a simple, like Monopoly is really fun when you get the pieces moving around. Um, you know, I have memories going back to, I would say being in seventh grade, playing on my mom's work computer on games.com, uh, and making trades of properties with people. Uh, and online Monopoly games while she was off doing other stuff. Uh, and I have got to say I probably did that. I probably spent years of my life playing that game, <laughs> doing that um, as a kid. So there's a lot of fond memories there. And then on the other side, there's the more complex games like uh, Gloomhaven, which is a massive board game um, that I have. And I, I play with a gaming group down here in Texas. Um, and there is a digital version of that that has actually helped me come to understand the rules a little bit better. So, um, just to kind of set the table there a little bit, um, but I don't know, uh, if anyone wants to jump in first with any sort of, uh, digitized board games. Well, I was, fond of. I mean, you just mentioned Gloomhaven and I, I'll go on the same thing that complex board games, having a computer do that complex math for you is by far the best part about online board games because it's incredibly, I mean, you and I, Tom, we played Twilight Struggle. It took us four hours to yeah. understand the game enough to think that you won. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, we, well, if you, we if you remember, good. I went on, I went on Facebook after we played that game and I made a, like a, a life event that said almost figured out how to play yep. Twilight Struggle. I remember because I've gotten after. the notification, the remi- <laughs> like the remember this night kind of thing or whatever yeah. from, from Facebook automated reminders or whatever. Yeah, I've gotten that. But I mean, I, if so, if someone said explain Twilight Struggle, I can't explain it. But if someone put it in, if you put that game in front of someone, I think they would learn it a lot better through the, you know, computer system that's guiding you through, telling you what you can do every turn, all of that. Um, it's a great entry point. The other thing too, I'd say, is that it allows you to play very advanced games like Dungeons and Dragons, um, you know, in a in a sense that like you're able to play as a group, but you don't have to be together. There's not delay because of you know, trying to do all the calculation of, do I roll a 1d10 or do I roll a 1d8 here? I don't remember. And having to look all that up. And, you know, as long as you're kind of set up, I mean, I think all three of you uh, have played enough of D&D to know that. That mm-hmm. kind of thing would probably help you in a lot of ways. Um, and they've also expanded upon that kind of stuff too. So like one of my favorite games of all time is, depending on who you talk to, um, Baldur's or Baldur's Gate. And that spawned because of D&D. And... Um, you know, I love that game and it uses the same kind of system. Um, and without like, it kind of brought more people into the world because I'm not a huge D&D fan. I, don't, I never really got into the whole having to calculate everything, having to come up with, with my own story or having someone else come up with a story. But the fact that there was a framework built around that, I could really get into that much more easily. And, you know, it's funny you bring up um, Baldur's Gate because... I think that's probably the best example of using kind of like a, a 
Dungeons and Dragons rule set in a video game. Um, but I think one of the most famous examples that maybe covers it up a little bit more is uh, Knights of the Old Republic mm. uh, 1 and 2, um, which actually fully use just a, a set of Dungeons and Dragons rules adapted to Jedi Force powers and stuff. Um, so, you know, whereas I think there are a lot of people that have played those games that probably wouldn't be keen to sit down at a table full of, you know, nerds such as myself uh, <laughs> and roll, you know, dice to wave pretend lightsabers. So. <laughs> it's my favorite pastime. Mine too. <laughs> I... I feel like I've had a different experience playing board game adaptions to like a computer or well, not even console. It's mostly PC. Um, I, I like the idea of like with Gloomhaven, it, it sounds like it's a standalone game that was built around the whole concept of the tabletop game itself. Um, my experience has been through like tabletop simulator. So at the beginning of the pandemic, when you really couldn't go anywhere, Pinto played it a couple of times. Uh, with me and mutual friends but the problem with something like that is the rules aren't really taught to you it's someone made the version of the game in tabletop simulator and they put the rules into the game but unless you actually know how to play it or you want to sit there and read through like the rule booklet you're not going to have a better understanding of it just like real life. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, you know, personally, when I get a new board game, I'll go right to YouTube and it's like, I'll put in that game. Like, um, Dead of Winter. That's how I learned how to play Dead of Winter. Pinto was over. We watched a guy from, where was he? I don't know. He said cards. But cards. we watched him play Dead of Winter and he taught us how to play the game. Like, that. that is how I learn. Because sometimes they're just, they're so complex. You get so bogged down with you know the different rules and intricacies and whatever um but i i like the idea of a of a standalone game like that that's just built on one single game like i've played carcassonne um through like a mobile device or through pc monopoly is a big one the game of life but those are usually games that you already know how to play love the game well, of life <laughs> more straightforward so there has been a huge um, expansion to tabletop games in the past 20 to 25-ish years, somewhere around yeah. that, right? Um, and the games have gotten more comp um, complex. And that's, I think, in large part, because kids that were born, I'm going to say late 70s, early 80s to mid-90s, right before this explosion, they're all now getting older, but they still want to play those games. So yeah. you're seeing these complicated games. And I, for me personally, I find... Someone, like you said, explaining it on YouTube or someone, mm -hmm. um, you know, having an online game who's kind of guiding you through the game make me feel much more confident in the tabletop game. And For it's, sure. it's really difficult being like that one person who doesn't know how to play Ticket to Ride or, you know, Dungeons and Dragons or something else and being invited yeah. to it. Because if you don't know, you're slowing the game down significantly. But if you could get the game and a lot of those tabletop simulator kind of games are much cheaper online than like a normal mm -hmm. you know game getting that opportunity to play uh, against the computer or something really helps you kind of understand the game and feel more confident i yeah. feel much more confident having played the computerized version of twilight struggle than i would explaining it to like my wife for example who cannot sit there and listen to me explain <laughs> rules you know so that that's kind of where i approach it it's a great learning tool yeah. and the other thing i'd say is that 
especially in 2020, we have found that we can't be together as much. And, you know, all, all four of us live quite a distance from each other. Um, so it helps to be able to kind of still be able to play. Like if I said, hey, let's play Settlers of Catan, we could probably look it up. It's probably about 20 bucks to buy online. We could mm-hmm. play that for free. Well, it depends on where you go, but yeah, free. And you could, <laughs> you could play that game for free in lots of places with your group of friends. That's yeah. incredible. It's awesome. There, I, I actually love those kind of online computerized board games personally. Yeah. I mean, you brought up Settlers of Catan. That's actually one of the um, games even before the pandemic hit. There's a, I forget, it's called a Settlers Universe, I think is what it's called, uh, which is a completely free-to-play um, three-person um, competitive Settlers of Catan mode. You just have to pay or use like points that you accumulate over time to buy the expansions uh, if you if you want to buy like seafarers or stuff like that, uh, which I don't understand how to play anyway. Uh, and even in their tutorials, I don't really understand how to play it any better. But uh, if you want to just play standard Settlers of Catan, I've done that for quite a while through that app. It's great. Um, I, I wanted to touch on one other thing that you were getting at earlier, uh, Fleming, which was just... Uh, the idea that people who had gotten into board games a while ago were creating, you know, new content in these board games. And I think there's also kind of a reflexive nature between video games and board games where we've started to see things get more complex and we've started to see more board games that are less about like competing with each other and more about working together, you know, against a a common like player versus game theme where there might be some boss. So Arkham Horror or Runebound, games like these where you have kind of like a a big bad monster that everyone's trying to take down. Um, I think things like that kind of stem from the idea of video games and probably before that from Dungeons and Dragons, but I think just having the idea of these complex workings in video games today has kind of rebounded out there into the board game world and then rebounded back into the video game space when they digitized the board games. So, I mean... I touched on Gloomhaven. I think Gloomhaven is absolutely that kind of game. Yeah. Uh, which is why it works out nicely as a computer adaptation because, uh, Megan, you were talking about watching the, the rules videos There's, yeah. and the playthrough. <laughs> um, we watched a video of how to set up Gloomhaven. I can't me and imagine. Like four friends down here. <laughs> like, I, I've gone to it... <laughs> stores and I've seen that game and I want it. Like, I see it and I'm like, that looks so cool. But it just seems like such an undertaking and I don't have the patience or time to learn it. So I think, and it's like a, a hundred something dollars too. something uh, ridiculously. When I, it's up there at full. When price. I bought it. Yeah. I, I bought it. They had a sale on uh, Amazon. I think it was like half off or something like that. Yeah. So it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, you get your money's worth. There's a, a ton of pieces and, yeah. and board and everything in there, but it's also just very, very detailed and intricate and rules on rules on rules. I mean, you, you almost have to forget some of the rules to play the game yeah. if you're just getting set up for the first time. You know, it was very helpful because we were even trying to figure out when you could do your initiative and what number you could use to go in what order. And playing the video game allowed you to kind of experience that without having to wonder yeah. so much. Yeah, I think if I had that as an introduction, it, it would be great. You know, I would buy the game, play it that way because it's obviously, I'm assuming, cheaper yeah. than buying the actual game. It is. And if I enjoyed Definitely. it, then yeah, I would totally buy the game. 
Yeah, I think they're working on the multiplayer mode for it too, which is something we should all play oh, nice. oh. Uh, at I, some point. Yeah, that's uh, what I was going to say. The ability to play online with your friends is vital to any of those games, in yeah. my opinion. Um, even, you know, when they have, like, you're able to kind of score each other, you're able to play against um, people, you're able to get, like, your own individual rank better. So, like, some of those settlers of Catan websites do, like, tournaments and stuff, do rankings mm-hmm. and ratings. Oh, yeah. They're pretty intense. I've actually watched people on YouTube who have like played it or said that they're, you know, participating in a tournament and here's the finals that they played and where they came up with strategy. I get really lost in that YouTube, you know, hole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff that I've seen people do, um, you know, kind of, it's a great way to like expand your player base because otherwise you have to have friends local to play these games. Yeah. And I, I would definitely oh, yeah. prefer personally to play in person, but it's just not possible yep. a lot of the time. And if you're going to be willing to, you know, do Skype calls or, or do Discord chats or do any of those kind of things, you should be willing and able to play a board game with your friends over a over PC and over, you know, online. I think that's a great thing. Absolutely. We haven't heard much from uh, Mr. Pinto there. I don't know if you have any uh, online board gaming experiences that you'd like to share. I actually don't really. I mean, most, How dare you? most of my <laughs> board gaming is done um, in an analog style where you play the actual board game. You know, that's what Megan and I would do basically every time we'd hang out. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> we'd just play board games and eat pizza and or chicken dip or both and <laughs> play board games. I'm trying to think of any like real experience I have with playing digital board games. I mean, obviously, I've done the whole RPG thing, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and Weave and what are we playing? Apocalypse World. That one. That one. Boy Problems. Um, that one. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't really have any experience of playing board games digitally. I just like that it seems to be becoming a much more common thing just tabletop games in general i think for a long time it was taboo to be like oh i play dungeons and dragons it was like the last bastion of nerddom it's like yeah i play video games but i i don't play D. I it's don't a whole play... new level of, of nerd yeah no one we, wants well, to we, hit we, that we... level you know <laughs> we 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 move the goalposts the goalposts are at larp now. yeah now it's LARPing. okay that's hey I'm that's where opposed. that's where i said it personally <laughs> Well, but, I think there's it's because Dungeons and Dragons has that you know element of as SpongeBob puts it, imagination, right? <laughs> oh, I you thought know. you were going to talk about how parents thought it was Satanism back in like. Well, the no, 1980s. no, I just think that too. No, I, I remember that as well, but no, I mean, I, I remember like when you know the Big Bang Theory for our U.S. listeners that you know saw that they had Dungeons and Dragons and that was like the most nerd thing they did. That kind of show kind of made it a little more. Um, Stranger things, man. Stranger things, but yeah, yeah. and Stranger Things recently, you know, that kind of stuff has kind of helped, I think, make it a little more, uh, you know, approved of or accepted. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's nice that a lot of the things I'm interested in are not seen as very like niche anymore, which is nice. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't really have too much experience playing board games digitally otherwise. Now, the other direction, however, 
I have played a lot of board game adaptations of video games, such as oh, yeah. the Roller Coaster Tycoon board game. I still have that one. What? Can you how, break that down for me? Yes, you build please. the rides on the board. It's great. I haven't played it in years. That how sounds you, awesome. How do you decide like the excitement and the intensity and all that? I'll have to, one day when we can see each other in person again, I'll have to bring it. Because I, I, I really don't <laughs> I want to play this. Why haven't so you long. never told me about this? It's been hidden <laughs> yeah. in the closet for years. Like, I, I completely I, forgot about it, to be I honest. This, is, this like has got to be worth, this game has got to be this worth is... $50,000 on eBay. <laughs> this sounds like something that's an amazing, like, holy grail so of board I th- games. Remember how, in a previous episode, I told you about Titanic Adventure at a time, and it became this big thing? <laughs> yeah. Right now, I see us moving in that trajectory with this board game. Like, but here's the thing. I, I can't explain it in every crucial detail like you did with Titanic that, okay, Adventure That at is time. true. That is true. I, I can't be well, like, I, dude, you give up a baby. And then you build the roller coaster, but it crashes. And the, into the baby. Into the baby, but the baby lives, and the park closes down. But 20 years later, that baby buys the park and reopens it. Oh, God. That's gorgeous. No, I actually know, want to play this so badly now. It, it's funny, but like you also don't have to, because we're all familiar with Roller Coaster yeah. Tycoon. So... I mean, that's another thing. You know, there's some kind of video games that become so ubiquitous that, like, you can just make a board game out of it. I mean, have all of you played the Pokemon board game? That is right behind me. Like, I have it right there with all the little little cardboard cutouts that are, like, pogs with all the Pokemon. That's amazing. I haven't played that. I've played the card game plenty. I actually was pretty pretty good at the card game, I would say. Yeah. The uh, I, I was I was uh, in the Pokemon League in the oh, card ooh, game. Yeah, I me was, too. I was a I was a Pokemon master. Oh, I only had like um, two badges. So, oh, I had I went like every Saturday. I had a bunch of badges. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> but um, you know what? That's that's actually another case of like uh, material like card games being reflexive with video games because there was also the Pokemon TCG Game Boy game. Yeah. Was that official? It was. It was, it was okay. real. I've heard, yeah. like, tell that it was not, like, officially endorsed by Game Freak or whatever. No, that that game was 110%. Um, I mean, quality was built into that game, to be honest with you. It was, it was a very good it game. It was difficult, man. I, I remember... It was, it, yeah. I remember renting it from Blockbuster. Yes, I rented Game Boy games from Blockbuster. And I <laughs> oh, found it to be very difficult. Um. Yeah. I, that game was really tough. I mean, especially because, you know, just like in the real world, you're relying on booster packs. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Magic the <laughs> Gathering. So, so Tom, I want to bring it version, really but... quickly and, and disagree with you. Maybe you, you just worded it <laughs> oh, slightly crap. different. but I wanna, Take me down. <laughs> no, I wanted to disagree with you about the prevalence of um, all players versus, like, you know, the computer versus the board game itself. I feel like mm-hmm. that's been going on for a lot longer than you made it out to, to be. Um, okay. Did you guys ever play a game called Omega Virus? It was a board game? No. no? Okay. I don't so, think so. I don't know when my parents got this game. I assume they got it from my older brother. But Omega Virus was, I don't remember the exact um, storyline in it. I have a decent idea. But it was kind of similar to like... Um, you know, the, how the computer uh, 
or maybe like alien somewhere between those two and basically you were four uh astronauts and you're trying to stop the omega virus from destroying your station so you all had to like work together to get your blasters and you know destroy this virus and that game i think it was from like the early 80s it's been around for a really long time um so you know that's not just the only game but i feel like there's a lot of games from you know, the 80s, especially that were starting to kind of go into that team game. And I mean, Dungeons and Dragons, which is, you know, yeah. fairly standard uh, team play or game. You know, you're playing against effectively the Dungeon Master stories that's been out since like what the 80s as well. So I feel like recently there was like a die off as like, you know, computer games became uh you know, popular. There was like a, that early 2000s where most games coming out were against everybody else. But I think that in the, you know, before that, there was a really hard push towards, you know, electronic um, computer virtualized or not virtualized, but like computerized um, board games or tabletop games where you were actually trying to win it as a group. Bam, gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I, I would say probably a lot of the. And I'm thinking probably more of like the the board games rather than the the video game adaptations. But I see what you're saying. I think those games were probably a little bit more obscure up until more recent times. Is is I guess what I'm trying to say. I think a lot of the games, almost like Mansions of Madness and uh, oh, the name of the game is right on the tip of my tongue, and I have it right outside here. But like the the room, Betrayal House on Haunted Hill. I think there's one called mystique or something like that but there there's there's a lot of these yeah. games where either one player gets turned against the rest or yeah. it's everyone's actually working cooperatively um the one i'm actually thinking of is arkham horror which wasn't yeah. coming to mind until just now right. That's a good one. um but a, a lot of games like that um where you're actively facing like a, a a boss monster kind of thing yeah i i i do feel like video game culture influenced those kind of and mm-hmm. and that cooperative there became more cooperative games over time whereas in the past it was almost like it evolved out of the card games where people are playing bridge or you know pinochle or poker you know stuff like this where they're all competing that was a a very popular 90s and maybe a little bit of early 2000s so i think you're thinking recent board games especially you know on the computer that's all 2005 ish on 2010 somewhere in that area whereas i'm i was thinking of you know, the actual board games in front of you, physical copies, tabletop games where, you know, I there's a lot of those that came out around the 80s. I don't have many examples, but I know a lot of them were, you know, that kind of the idea of, hey, we can now make these computers that we can put into a board game and that computer could be the bad guy. And a lot of those games started coming out around that time. So, I'm not, I'm not, okay, disagreeing with you sounded too harsh. <laughs> I was not trying to make it sound like you and I were going to be in a big fight. More just reminding you or telling you a, a story about how Omega Virus, if anyone ever played that game that listens to this podcast, um, would know. It was a really cool game um, when it came out. I've never heard of it, but I want to play yeah. it. Uh, I think last time I checked on eBay, it's like an insane amount of money because they don't make it anymore. Right. Um, I don't even know the, the company that made that game, but... Yeah, really fun game. If anyone ever came up to me and said, like, 20 minutes till I take over, that's, like, from the game every five minutes. It's saying that. You're running out of time. You're trying to get in there and and shut down the computer. Yeah, I guess it's very, like, you know, the whole 
Hal situation. I think that's kind of where they got the main idea from it, but it plays out a little bit like Alien, that kind of stuff too. Um, so just a really fun game. Um, and, and it was someone should make a tabletop stuff. simulator version of this. I, yeah. I just quickly checked on Steam up. before I started talking about it. I did not see it on Steam, <laughs> uh, so I don't think it's out there. But I don't even know what company made it. I don't know if it was Hasbro or or you know Mattel. If they, I don't think they made many board games. Um, but you know any of those kind of common companies, I don't think they ever made it. I think it's a company that no longer exists. I am really excited to see though because there has been such a such a surge in people buying board games playing board games you see a lot of board game cafes opening up but as if that surge continues the technology that's going along with it because even something like a tabletop rpg you have roll 20 where you can put your character sheets there you can build a map you can put your npcs and your pcs down and play digitally it's just it's great to see technology complement you know such an analog form of playing a game like absolutely and it's you know like we've said before it's helpful to be able to learn with the rules kind of built in right because if you're sitting around a table and you're holding a rule book yeah <laughs> let me go to the uh, index it's... and find my explorer's pack and uh 20 feet of rope yeah, it, it, it's it's like being in a courtroom, right? Because the verdict is only as good as the judge. Yeah. So if the judge has only read the rules, you know, once or twice, you're going to have a, a game that's as good as the most knowledgeable person's understanding, which is fine. I honestly, you know, I don't really think there's a whole lot of issue with that. But if you're getting started for the first time... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a video game is an excellent surrogate for a YouTube tutorial, or I would say even better. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times, even just hearing it from a knowledgeable person isn't enough. <laughs> to get that hands-on experience to actually play it and and dive into it, I, I think it it improves the experience. We've um talked before about um, I think like indie games or you know alpha kind of games. Do you think there's any um I guess chance. So like I've seen uh, games put out, you know, concept art on Kickstarter and get funded enough to be able to make a first run of the game. Um, But do you think there's anything now that, you know, the idea of indie games, alpha games or anything like that um, would allow someone who comes up with a great idea for a board game, but can't, you know, get the manufacturing done to put it out online first, you know, on the steam workshop, it gets popular. And then they say, we're going to do an actual physical copy run. Do you think that's ever going to happen, or am I kind of thinking too uh, optimistically? I'm pretty sure that's already yeah, happened happen. in some cases. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example, yeah, and I'm not coming either. up with one right away. That's my problem. I was um, thinking. There's... I'm sure there had to be something, but there's a a website. I, I think I don't know if it's if it's Tabletopia or Tabletopia. Again, it's a, a website where you can play a bunch of board games. Some are free. Some you need to have a membership for. Um, but they actually have, I think, like a developer that you can use to, Oh wow! I, I believe, make your own game. Like you have your pieces, your board, um, hmm. so that, and you can actually introduce it into their, their library, I believe. Don't quote me. I could be wrong. I remember reading about it a while back. I, That's super cool. I completely forgot about that website. It's an incredible website. Yeah. They have like every game you can think of um you know fear not um 
even whatever fee you, you would pay to play that mm-hmm. game on there, it's certainly going to be less bad. than what you would. And it's one yeah. person needs to pay the membership fee, and then the people that you play with have access to the game. That's so it's not nicer. like everyone needs to have it. <laughs> That's really nice. That's the other thing, too, yeah. about just... I've, uh, we mentioned it a little bit, but just the the online tabletop, the board game simulators, mm-hmm. they're all so much more reasonably priced. Like we, I think we've mentioned before, but I have a huge problem with how now we're seeing games. I mean, every game was hitting 50. I remember as a kid, it was like $50 for a new game. Then they yeah. bumped it up to 60. But then now, instead of going up to like 70 or 80 and getting everything, it's like $60, maybe 70. And then you have to buy a thousand other things to get the game. You know, yeah. whereas like board game, you know, uh, online board games or whatever, it could be as cheap as like 10 bucks, depending mm-hmm. on the game. It might be a little yeah. more, might be a little less, to, again, depending on the game, but so much more reasonably priced. It's a great way to get people who are into board games or into, um, you know, the idea of like gaming, but don't want to jump head it first into something like Starcraft or mm-hmm. whatever. It's a really great kind of say, hey, you can play games online with friends and stuff, and then maybe you'll play something else, and before you know it, you're playing a whole bunch of different games. Then you've fallen into <laughs> then a you've, trap. Then you've fallen into the Joypad yeah. podcast. <laughs> oh, hey. Well, Welcome. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, a great, it's a great way to lower the barrier of, to entry of a lot mm-hmm. of popular board games, too, because I think we've touched on before, you know, um, Gloomhaven is, I think, normally a $100 plus dollar game. Yeah. Yep. Uh, even simpler games like um, Betrayal at House on the Hill, those are close like to 40, 40 50, 50 bucks. Yeah. I think I got it for about 40 And a lot of like yeah. retailers are doing those buy two, get one free, or buy mm-hmm. one, get two, 50% right. off, all this kind of stuff that they've done. But, but I would say that those are games that have um, acquired more mass appeal mm-hmm. where there are other games that are still going through phases. I, I, I'm one of the suckers that uh, helps out with Kickstarter on a good number of these, <laughs> or I'll see one that looks really cool and I'll, I'll back it. Um, a number of them are, are starting at a hundred dollars. Yep. Uh, and that's, and they frequently try and get you to get DLC packs or upgraded minis, yeah. stuff like yeah. that. Um, and whereas if you're playing online, you would probably see the same game for ten dollars. Yep. Um, and you know, part of that is because all of the graphic work that they have to do to create their maps and mm-hmm. minis and all that already exists in a computer, yep. so it's not that hard to port it over uh, and just have that experience online. All the rules already exist; just program them into a, a program. Yeah. So um, it's pretty cool. Um, and you know, I. I kind of share the same sentiment. I think um, Pinto and, and Megan expressed earlier and, and Fleming, I think you agree with this too. Of, it is kind of more fun to sit down with your friends in person and play the board game and move it around with your hands. Absolutely. Or flip the table, you know. <laughs> if you're playing Monopoly. See, that's... Yeah. <laughs> well, Monopoly, definitely. Um, we have stories about that. Uh, there's... There's also uh, a frequently cited rule in, in Dungeons and Dragons, which is you always need to be within striking distance of the other players because if they do something stupid, then you can hit them upside the head, um, which is not so easy to do if you're in an online setting. Um, but yeah, um, I, I definitely like the fact that there's that lower barrier to entry, both from the rules standpoint and from the cost standpoint. Yeah. Uh, and I really hope that we keep seeing more of that. I don't think anything will really diminish the presence of the physical board game. No. 
um, even if they're more of, uh, I wouldn't even call them a collector's item, but it's kind of like a shared cost in the real world too, because one person will buy it and many people will enjoy mm-hmm. it. So uh, there's, a, there's a couple different ways it evens out. But yeah, I, I love stuff like that. There's one other thing I wanted to touch on, um, which I don't know if you guys have experienced with a game like this, but the idea of a purely digital game with uh, a board game kind of setting, kind of theme. So what I'm actually referring to, uh, I was recently introduced by way of watching the Game Grumps uh, channel, as I do sometimes, to a game called Billion Road, which is a very strange uh, Japanese Monopoly style game. But you also acquire monsters, uh, do battle with giant monsters, uh, bump into each other, buy property, get money, uh, (laughs) invest in property. Like you do all these kinds of things and you move around a board game map while you're doing this. Uh, Almost like Mario Party. Kind of think that way. That's, I don't know why it didn't occur to me. (laughs) (laughs) But, But those sorts of games, which can't really exist on a physical tabletop but they have the same spirit mm-hmm. yeah um so i mean fleming we had some fun at your house uh before the fun of uh covid19 <laughs> playing playing mario party yeah. and rafting down a certain river yeah so no i think there's a lot um, of games that are like that are like that that are um board game in style and concept but could never really work in a board game way especially with some of the stuff they come out with um completely agree with that it's i think that the those kind of games again are a great entry point for people who don't feel comfortable playing something as intense or as something imaginative as a dungeons and dragons but they want to kind of partake in games i mean that's one reason why i bought for example we haven't mentioned it beyond just passing ticket to ride which is online and there is a there is um computerized versions of it but ticket to ride is a great game that's super straightforward anybody can pick up on it in the first few minutes and tom i won't ever forget you me and uh our friend joe staying up till like 3 30 in the morning playing that game um over and over and we got so kind of robotic about it but like we still were having fun <laughs> we were s- and we were so good at it yeah, we, were, we played it way too <laughs> long um but yeah I, I love board games for their ability to bring people in i think the online versions i think is a great opportunity especially because we haven't really touched on this but if you want to play a brand new call of duty for example you need to have a really good processor a really good video card, 100 plus gigabytes of hard drive space, preferably on an SSD so it loads fast enough. That's like a $600 cost. There's a lot of people out there that can't afford that. But if they've got a laptop that they used you know, previously for a freelance job or they had one from college five years ago, that probably can play a lot of the games we've mentioned, which is super nice. And, and yeah. again, a way for people to be able to play games but not have to invest a ton of money into a system you know Uh, and i think that's really important um especially right now that people that don't have a lot of money can still kind of get some enjoyment um and there's just the same amount of replayability if not more replayability than a physical game because some people don't take very good care of their physical copies right so (laughs) that's true yeah it's it's nice to be able to sit down and play some some uh 
board games online with your friends while having your Friday night beer or whatever. So I'm all for them. I wish that I played them more. I think it'd be good. But there is some element of, you know, missing out on that physical contact, that social interaction. You don't get it quite as much, but it's what you make of it, right? So I'm all for them, and I hope that they continue to come out. Um, One thing I would ask you guys is, do you think that any board game uh, maker would also put out a physical and digital copy at the same time in the future? So you buy the board game, but you also get the digital version that you can install on, you know, either their website, gives you a membership card or something like that. What do you think about, is that ever going to happen, do you think? Or is that something I hope so. I hope so, too. Like, that is something I'd be really interested in. Or just a separation, one or the other. Because, again, if I could play it first in a digital format, figure it out, I would definitely buy the physical copy. Yeah. Yeah, I I think there's definitely room for that. It's almost like... um the way that music media has progressed, yep. right? Where if you buy a, a record, a, a vinyl record or a CD, it'll often come with a download exactly what code I was now. Exactly what I was thinking of. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's feasible. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why not. And I could even see, you know, I, I think there's a lot of smaller independent board game publishers right now. Um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for that, which is cool. But I could also see room in the future for almost like a, a Columbia House kind of style yep. of uh, doing that, where, you know, you could sign up for a club, get access to a certain number of games online. If you like it, order it at a discount um, in a physical product, something like that. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. And I I think it's awesome. I mean, we, we honestly live in an unprecedented era of... great ideas for new board games and even just being able to see those start off from those independent publishers independent thinkers uh is something you would not have you know necessarily seen in the past yeah uh because i went back and i looked up um the omega virus and that was indeed a milton bradley game so you're still you know seeing those bigger publishers have their hands in those just um want some mall madness or Pretty pretty princess. Oh my god! Uh, we, I still we... have mall madness. Nice. Can we date the dud? Oh my god. <laughs> Please. I think thank I you. also have the uh, the Sweet Valley High board game. Oh, nice. Yeah. What about the Babysitters Club? I don't have that one. Boxcar Kids. Uh... Hardy Boys. Okay, I think we got it. <laughs> Nancy Drew Pinto has nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I have the Roller Coaster Tycoon board. Game. He has yeah. everything. Yeah. I'm so excited to play this. <laughs> Up here. I cannot wait to see you. <laughs> I, I've i bought so many board games in my life in recent years, and they all pale in comparison to the Roller Coaster Tycoon board game. Yep. I really want to My try life it out. is meaningless. I really want to try it out. Is it kind of like Mousetrap? Remember Mousetrap, Ooh, guys? Yeah. It's, it's Never actually knew how to play similar. it, but I put it together. Yeah. It's similar? Yeah, to- no one ever played Mousetrap the game. You just put it together. That was it. And you tried to get it to work, and 80% of the time it did not it work. It's not the best build quality. Um, I'm, That's why it was great. Yeah. I just remember my sister loving the word contraption after that came, game came out from the commercial. It's a crazy contraption. It's Aww. It's got zany action, yep. zany the crazy action. contraption. Yes. Yes. The fun is catching. It's mousetrap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, gosh. I, I think we're yeah, we uh, about done here. <laughs> Unless anyone else has anything else to say there. No. I will 
talk us out. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Joypad Podcast. Please go ahead and follow us on all of our social media at Joypad Pod. Um, we are also on YouTube as Joypad. And uh, if you can, please go ahead, uh, follow us on your podcast. I don't Pod even know what to call it. Software Pod of catcher. choice. Podcatcher. Podcatcher? Is that a specific thing? That's, yeah. that's Is that like a dream catcher, but it catches pods? <laughs> I'm not down with the lingo like the children. Go ahead and follow us there. And if you can, give us a like, a subscribe. And if you uh, love us, give us a review. If you don't like us, leave us a comment. Tell me why my face is stupid. I know it's stupid. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, um, hope you've had a good time. We've had a good time. And we will catch you next time. And until then... Stay joyful. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.